that most of us who are present this morning come to church quite regularly or will come back to church quite regularly, I'd like to ask you a question. Why? Why do you come to church? Most of us would likely have a reason or two. Maybe our reason is social. We come to church every week to see the people in our church family. We can catch up on news. We can catch up on everyone's health. We can catch up on their families. We can make a lunch date or a dinner date or a tea time. Some people just need to come to talk. Maybe your reason is spiritual. Some come to listen to liturgical music, to listen to the gospel, or even to listen to the sermon. And some come to pray for others and for themselves. It would be difficult for me to choose any one or two of these reasons if it was a multiple choice test, test and the reasons were labeled A, B, C, D, E. I would have to choose an answer that says all of the above. But I think really deep down, our purpose is that we come to church to pray. How do you feel when someone prays for you? And how do you, do you feel when you pray for someone else? Prayer is one of the most powerful ways available to us as believers. Thomas Klosser writes, prayer transcends language, intellects, understanding, and ability. It calms the saint and compounds the sinner. We are so fortunate as Christians to have a God that hears our prayers. God hears our prayers in public when we worship together, and he hears our prayers when we are in private, alone in our prayer space. No matter what, God hears us. He is always listening. He whispers, he hears our whispers, he hears our cries, he hears our shouts. God even hears our silent prayers. God is very happy with everyone who prays. And if you ask people who are very diligent in spiritual discipline of prayer to share their experience of prayer, it would probably astonish you. You know, Jesus prayed too. When Jesus was facing the last night of his freedom in his entire life, he didn't just pray for himself, he prayed for others. The prayer that we read today in John's Gospel is the longest prayer of Jesus that is recorded in the Bible. Many people regard this prayer as the real Lord's Prayer, as opposed to the prayer that Luke and Mark recorded in their Gospels and the one we might say on a daily basis, Our Father. It's a prayer so powerful that some Bible publishers designate these verses in John 17 as the high priestly prayer. With this designation, Jesus was placed in the symbolic role of high priest. In scripture, 
the high priest fulfilled two roles. The first one was to offer sacrifices to God for the sins of the people. Jesus did that. The second was to make continual intercession for those that were under their authority that came to God. And Jesus did that. So, this is what we see on the last night of Jesus before he pays the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He offers a prayer of intercession and consecration for his disciples. Our gospel passage today elaborates the aspects of prayer that Jesus taught them. The prayer of this mission focuses first on Jesus, then on the disciples, and then finally on those who believe through the word of the disciples. Each one of these depends upon the one that comes before it, but Jesus is the foundation. As Jesus begins to pray, he first asks God to glorify him so that he is revealed for the benefit of those that God has given him, his disciples. One scholar writes that to man, the cross was an instrument of shame. To Christ, it was the means of true glory. Then Jesus prays for his friends. Jesus says, I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Jesus shared with his disciples the things that they needed to know. Jesus warns them about the dangers, the evil in the world that would be shown toward them. Jesus guarded them and not one of them was lost except Judas so that the scripture could be fulfilled. Jesus prayed that God would keep his disciples united, that they would be kept from evil and that they would be sanctified by the word of God. He ends his prayer by saying, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. These disciples are his friends. They are his earthly companions. By teaching and learning is now complete. Disciples are now called apostles, and they now are the first ones to carry out Jesus' mission. The disciples received God's word, and they believed that Jesus had come from God. By going forth into the world, and by, embrace, and by embracing his mission, they know that God sent him for a purpose, and they responded to keep his word. I think that puts God's mission into an easy to understand framework. Receive, believe, respond. 
Great compassion shown by Jesus for his disciples is embedded in his prayer, just as a priest would pay, pray on behalf of his own people. It demonstrates the love that he asked for them, and as, as they are sent out to do the work that they have been given to do. Prayers of intercession are very, very powerful. Think of the effect prayer has on patients in cardiac care. Think of the effect that it has on patients who are afflicted with coronavirus. Think of all the prayers that we see answered in our daily lives. Can you really count them all? Jesus also had expectations of his disciples. They were his apostles just as Jesus represented our Father, God, while he was on the earth. Those great expectations are the ones that we carry to every believer. We are the apostles of the 21st century, just as his disciples became apostles in the first century. Because we are disciples and apostles, the holy gospel of Jesus Christ is represented by you and me to the rest of the world. We represent the power of his divine heritage. We represent his desire to save everyone who calls on his name. In Romans it is written, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus has the same concerns for all of us. He wants us to be kept in unity. He wants us to be kept from the evil one. He wants us to be sanctified. Jesus died for us just as he died for his disciples. So, all of this began with a group of unsuspecting fishermen who left their jobs and their homes and their families to follow Jesus. There's something here for us, then, that we need to do. So, another question is, can we meet the expectations that Jesus set out for his first disciples? Think about that. We are called to pray diligently. We are called to pray for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are also called to pray for believers facing persecution because of their faith. We are called to pray for others who struggle quietly with crises that are unknown to the rest of the world. If we desire Jesus to pray on our behalf today, there are things that we need to do. We must receive the word, we must believe the word, and we must respond and keep the word. So let's stand together in unity so that we may be transformed by God's grace into disciples and apostles by speaking the truth in love. Amen.